Welcome to Kingdom Insight with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to help you discover treasures and truth from God's Word and also give you deeper insights and understanding of the character and nature of God. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba Charles. Welcome back to Kingdom Insight. I'm so glad you've joined me once again. Uh, we are going to continue looking into the books of the Bible and uh, we're going to continue digging into the Word of God. I always say this, when you believe right and you believe what the Word of, say, of, the, what the word of God says, you become unshakable and unstoppable. You begin to understand the kingdom of God. You begin to understand God himself. And uh, there is just something powerful when we discover what the word of God mean in context, what the word of God says in context. It's important to study the word of God line by line. It's unfortunate that uh, many of us, we just want the words that will point out what we need right now. But the problem is where you can get what you need right now. In order to sustain it, you need to have uh, the foundation of the word. You understand what the word of God says. You stand on the word of God and you begin to know what God says in his word. So as we look into the books of the Bible, our goal here is to give you the depth of understanding of each and every books of the Bible so that when you get to the scripture that you so much love, you're going to understand the power of it, why it was spoken what was the problem going on at, at that time why did the author even say what he said instead of just pulling one scripture and we run with it we're gonna see the Bible I mean the Word of God revealed through the Bible and when you get to know the revelation of the Word of God as revealed in the Bible in its context you begin to have a solid foundation we just finished off working out I mean doing a, a series on uh, the book of uh, Romans. We looked at uh, why Paul wrote that book. We're going to continue this week as we begin to look at uh, First Peter and Second Peter. It is an interesting, interesting uh, book uh, that, uh, that, that, that we'll be looking at here. Now, before we start and look at uh, who wrote the book of uh, First Peter and Second Peter, why did he write that book? What was going on? What can we learn in that book? Uh, I want us to quickly just uh, give glory and honor to our God. Father, we thank you uh, this hour. We glorify you. We magnify you that as we study your word today, give us, oh God, the spirit of understanding. Give us a quickening in our spirit to hear and to grab hold of your word and to stand on your word. And I pray for those who are watching and listening to this program father who are not well right now who are not feeling well we just declare the presence of healing in their home in the name of Jesus those who have lost hope we declare hope right now in Jesus's name and we thank you spirit of the living God that as they study the revelation of the Word of God they are going to be unshakable and they're going to stand on the Word of God because your word is powerful your word he is our healer and we thank you father 
that you sent your word to heal our bodies, to heal our mind, and to heal our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. So we continue looking at uh, this uh, wonderful and powerful book of uh, First Peter and, and Second Peter. So let's go first look at the author. Uh, we know obviously from uh, just the title itself, the title gives us even the author, uh, uh, Peter himself. Peter was one of uh, Jesus' original 12 uh, disciples respected leader of the church in uh, Jerusalem, and um, he is the author of this letter written from Rome to the believers living in what today is called uh, Turkey. The name Peter means uh, rock. Obviously, you remember Peter as one of those uh, disciples that denied Jesus. Hey, there is more to Peter than what we know him for. There is more to Peter, and that's why it is important to study the whole book here of Peter, and you're going to discover what this Peter was all about. So his name, we know it means what? A rock. You know what a rock is. Solid. So we're going to see what this guy is, uh, is, uh, is uh, made of and why he was writing. Now, here is the background. In the year uh, uh, AD or after the death of Jesus Christ, uh, AD 64, uh, Emperor Nero decided to begin to kill Christians. And news of those killed in the capital city of Rome spread quickly to the surrounding areas and uh, onto Asia Minor. Many believers had already left their homes in Jerusalem when uh, persecution broke out. Now, in a foreign land, they were suffering difficulty times, especially from unbelievers living around them. Peter did not write this letter to tell these Christians they were immune from further persecution. Instead, he encouraged them to stand true and endure the suffering for the sake of Christ and in his strength. Remember that? To endure the suffering for the sake of Christ, but in his strength, in the strength of Jesus Christ. Now, let's quickly look at uh, the original audience of, uh, of, of Paul. Why was, who, to whom was he writing? Paul wrote to the Jewish Christians who had been driven out of Jerusalem and scattered through Asia Minor. There are many quotations from the Old Testament in the book of uh, 1 Peter, which indicates a Jewish audience. So we know Paul, sorry, Peter was writing to a Jewish uh, uh, community, uh, Jewish believers uh, uh, who were, you know, facing challenges at that time. But Peter also mentions idolatry in his letter, a scene the Jews never fall into after the Babylonian captivity in the 6th century or before Christ. This would point to a Gentile audience as well. So Peter's first audience were probably a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Remember in the book of Romans, we looked also at um, the audience of Paul that was a mixture, Jew, Jew, Jewish believers as well as uh, Gentile believers. So we find the same thing here in the book of uh, Peter. 
we find that that was his, uh, his audience here. Now, let's establish the purpose. Why was Peter uh, writing this letter? We know he was writing to those who were being persecuted. We know he was writing to those who were facing hardship. But what was his main purpose of writing? To His main purpose of writing the uh, first Peter and second Peter was to encourage Christians of Asia Minor to endure hardship. Now, this is a very, very uh, a crucial moment we are all living in, where the pandemic has taken over uh, almost a year now. And we are facing challenges and challenges, and you hear stories of our pastors quitting, you hear pastors fighting, you hear the, you know, you see the political tension around the world, you see how the church also has been bombarded by the political tension, and there is suffering out there, everything is on lockdown, and, uh, and, 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 and uh, there is this hardship. Well, you will find out in this program, in this, uh, in this uh, series, uh, as we look at uh, for Peter here, how we can endure this moment, how we can endure this hardship, and how we can stay faithful to God himself. So Peter is writing, his purpose to, of writing First Peter and Second Peter was to encourage Christians of Asia Minor to endure hardship and live godly lives. Because uh, hardship sometimes may bring you uh, to a point where you abandon God. Hardship sometimes may, may, may bring you to a point where you question God. So Peter is encouraging them to endure hardship and to live godly lives. And then he continues, he, he wants them to remain faithful in times of uh, distress knowing that God will vindicate them and they will certainly enjoy the salvation that the Lord has promised. Even this time we're facing, it may be difficult, it may be hard, but God's promises are always a yes and amen, always comes to pass. But we are first to endure the hardship, to endure the distress. So Peter is writing to them to say, endure the hardship, continue living faithful uh, to God, continue pursuing God here. And then he continues in there, uh, just as Christ suffered and then entered into glory, so too his uh, followers will suffer before being exalted. Now you got to understand, uh, glory does not come without hardship. The glory of God appears when there is hardship. Remember Moses, when the glory of God would appear because they were in the wilderness. So God's glory or God's presence will always show up where there is a, what there is distress and there is a, a, there is a, there is a difficulty. So, but the people first must endure, must remain faithful, must live godly lives. Now, one of the themes I want us to look at uh, the theme of uh, the book of P P First Peter. And uh, 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 let's look at uh, the theme of uh, First Peter. First Peter chapter 2 verse 9 gives us actually the theme. I want us to turn to uh, uh, First Peter just quickly. Turn to First Peter there and then, um, and then uh, you're going to see exactly the theme of uh, Peter uh, uh, to, 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 to these uh, Christians who are facing challenges. 
So First Peter 2 verse 9 to 10, it says this, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen a people. You are royal priests. And we're going to be looking at that, royal priests. A holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out over the darkness into his wonderful light. Now you see here, the theme of the, the book of First Peter is God's elect. God has elected you. God has elected us as a chosen people. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't only choose you he begins now to position you into a royal priest now you got to understand that royal priest has got nothing to do with the title it is not a decorative title for you to have and to say I am a royal priest what Peter is talking about here to be a royal priest is to do the functions of a priest so you have to understand what was the priests or what was the royal priests function in the temple the priest went before God and they went to God to, to to offer a sacrifice on behalf of the people so their duty wasn't I mean they, they, their duty wasn't wrapped up in uh, in the title uh, but rather in the function so they functioned as uh, those who would go on behalf of God to cry out before 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 God on behalf of the people so they offered sin offerings they went and uh, cried out and pleaded before God for people so Peter is telling them you are God's elect you are God's chosen and you've been elevated to this functionality of uh, a priest. You are to, of, to, to, to operate from a level of a priest, offer the sacrifice before God. And then he continues on, and what does he say in there? He says, uh, he says uh, for God has called you out of darkness. And then 10, he says, uh, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Now you had no identity, but now I'm giving you an identity. And that identity is what? You are God's elect. You are God's chosen. And you are royal priests. And you are royal priests. And then he continues, and then, and then he continues, you are a holy nation. God's very own possession. Meaning here, the possession isn't like a property. The possession here is, is more of a relationship with God. You belong to God. You are of God. So in 10 there, it says, once you had no identity as a, as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. So that was the theme of uh that was the theme of uh, Peter's writing the book of uh, Peter here. And then uh, God's people are to be no noted for their holy living in an holy world. That is a key word right there. Peter was trying to communicate to these uh, 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 Christians or believers who were facing persecution, who were facing distress. His communication was uh, God's people are to be noted for their holy living. You are a priest. Priests do not live like a non-priest. 
They do not live in sin. So you are a holy uh, people. And then you got to live holy in an holy world. And they prompted and strengthened their hope in the second coming of uh, Jesus Christ. So, so those who persevere in faith will, while suffering persecution, should be full of hope. For they will certainly enjoy end time salvation uh, 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 of, 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 of Jesus Christ. It's important to look at the key verses in each and every Bible because it gives you the picture of what the author was trying to communicate. So 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7 says this, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. Oh my goodness, let's stop right there. It says uh, these trials, Peter is writing to them in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 7. These trials, these difficulties, these distress you're facing, these disastrous moments you're facing will show that your faith is uh, genuine. Any faith that has not been tested is not yet matured into a real godly kingdom faith. You see, here is telling them, whatever you're going through, whatever is going on with you, whatever is happening to you right now, whatever they are doing, whatever they are persecuting you, you got to understand whatever you're going through, it will prove your faith, that your faith is real. But how can, be, how can your faith be real if it is not centered on the word of God? You see, Paul was trying to ingrain in them the importance of the word of God in their lives. If the word of God is in you, persecution will come, disastrous will come, you will still stand on the word of God, glorifying God, magnifying God, exalting God unshakably. Why? Because you know whatever may be happening to you, you have a greater and a bigger God. So he says this here, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it doesn't say one trial. So your faith should not only remain strong in one trial. Your faith should remain strong in many trials. It says, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Again, the other key verse of the book of Peter here is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. It says this, the end of all things is near. He said, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. How much do we need that word of God in today's world, a world that is divided? And not only that, a world that seems like it's coming to an end, like everything is ending. But Paul, so repeater says, uh, be clear-minded, be clear-minded, take away all those uh, toxic, toxic stuff you watch on television of, uh, of the news, of the political tension. Take away all those things because it's, it's, it's clustering your thinking. It's going to cluster the way you see things, the way you see God, and it's going to cluster your healing the way you'd hear God. So he says, 
be clear-minded, clear everything. Only leave the word of God floating and moving in your mind. It says, uh, uh, clear everything. Be of clear-minded. And then he goes on to what? Self-control. Be in self-control. Hey, by the way, you cannot live a self-controlled life or a self-controlled uh, 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 Christian life if your world, if, if your life, sorry, isn't controlled by the power of the Holy Spirit because it is what gives us the strength to walk in self-control. So here he says what? Jesus is revealed to the whole world. Sorry, uh, he says, continue, so that you can pray. So that you can pray. Be clear-minded and of self-control so that you can pray. You can never pray powerfully or from a position of authority and a position of victory if your mind is clustered with a lot of worldly stuff, with a lot of uh, you know things that are happening in the world. You can never pray powerfully from a position of authority if your mind is not clear, if your mind is not cleared from every stuff that corrupts our mind. Listen, what needs to occupy our mind is the word of God. What needs to occupy your heart is the word of God. A mind filled with the word of God and the words of God and the spirit of the word of God can never be defeated and can never fall for the devil's uh, deceit. Why? Because a mind given to the Lord is a mind that has got the power and the stability to do what God desires us to do and to pray powerfully. You can pray for other people. You can pray in love. Listen to this here. Remember, he told them that you are God's chosen. You are God's elect. You are a royal priest. Now, how can a royal priest offer the sacrifice on behalf of his enemies if he hasn't cleared the, that, that enmity out of his mind? You can't pray for your enemy if uh, your mind is centered on that enemy about what they've done to you. That's why the Bible says what? Forgive everyone. Forgive your enemies. Why? It's it clears your mind. It clears your spirit. Then you could pray for people. And the Bible says again, pray for your enemies. Why? Because the more you pray for them, the more you're going to come to the other to, to the other word that Peter talks about where he says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. You can't walk in love if you haven't cleared your mind from the spirit of a trade or from the spirit that has been, uh, you know, or from things or cleared things that have been in your herd towards those people that did did you wrong. So you to walk in love, you you need first to clear your mind from every bitterness, every animosity, everything they are doing to you. You clear that, then you can pray for them. Then you can do what you can love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. And as we look into the book of 1 Peter, the other thing that we look up is, uh, uh, um, first of all, the outline. What is the outline? Uh, uh, what are some of the titles that uh, 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 Peter covers in here? First, in chapter 1, verse 1, it begins by greetings the people. And then uh, in, in, in chapter 1 through to 13 there, Peter, he calls them to a holy living. And then uh, in chapter 2, verse 1, he talks about uh, living stones. 
you are a living stone and then in chapter 2 verse 13 there Peter talks about uh, respect and order as well in, in chapter 3 he, uh, into 8 he moves on talking about suffering for doing good suffering for doing good and then in chapter 4 verse 1 there Peter talks about how to live in the last days how to live in the last days does it feel like it's in the last days here then how can you live in days like this how can you live in moments like this Peter documents that and then in chapter 5 to verse 1 Peter talks about shepherds lead by example and again and then in chapter 5 verse 15 he gives them his final greetings now we're going to explore uh, Peter's uh, message what was Peter's message let's quickly explore Peter's message here much of Peter's first letter does seem to address Gentiles who have joined the believing community of God. First Peter includes the Gentiles in the family of God and declares that Gentiles have an inheritance. That is the first Peter chapter 1 verse 4. Look at this. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you pure and undefined beyond the reach of change and decay. So he talks to them about uh, the inheritance that they have. That was the message. Now you remember we looked at the book of Romans and then um, uh, Paul talked about uh, Christians uh, uh, Gentiles being grafted into the family of God with the same inheritance, with the same promises of God. So Peter here also, it's like he is alighting or he is talking also in those lines. He says, um, he says uh, Gentiles have an inheritance. Uh, 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 and then he says, uh, they are called as holy. He says, they are called as holy ones. Kadosh, or Kadoshan, or Kadosh, or Kadosham, to be holy. He says in uh, verse one, chapter 1, verse 15, let's just read there. What does Peter say? Uh, he says, uh, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. He says, uh, now you Gentiles, you've been pagan, you're living in paganism, you've been living in sin, now you've been what? You are God's elect, you've been chosen by God, you are a chosen people, you are a royal priest. Now live as, now live in those uh, realm, live in that uh, uh, functionability position. Of, uh, of, of a royal priest. Live holy because God is holy. Uh, and then he's talking, when the Bible says uh, you are a royal priest, it is just a call to living holy because a priest needed to be holy before God so that he can offer an acceptable sacrifice before the people he was representing. So if the, 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 the priest is defiled, then everything else is defiled. So Peter here when he called us we are a royal priesthood he was just talking about you and I being holy living a holy life that should be our desire that should be our goal that should be what we we, 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 we you know we work towards to live a holy life holy in our speech holy in everything we do holy in in our worship holy in our lives that's what Peter is talking about here 
He's saying, uh, you are called holy ones. Uh, God calls you, you are holy one. And then uh, he continues on. He says, uh, you are a chosen people and a royal priesthood. And he, he, after saying a royal priesthood, he puts it now on a bigger stage. He says, what? You are a holy nation. A nation consists of people. And this nation that Peter was calling was uh, the people of God. You are a holy nation. You are a holy nation. We are a holy nation. The church is called to be a holy nation, a holy people. So he talks about the Gentiles' inclusion into the family of God. But that does not mean that the church is now replacing Israel. We talked about this in the book of Romans. Because there are so many theologies out there that talks about uh, the church replacing Israel. Rather, it is the enlargement of Israel to, 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 to now include Gentiles according to God's plan. This is the same idea we find in Peter's letter to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2 verse, verse, verse 12 to 13. Peter over and over emphasizes that the promises of God for the Gentiles have come to them through what Jesus has done for them. Remember the book of Romans again. He has brought blessings through his death. He talks about that in chapter 1 verse 19. And the resurrection in chapter 1 verse 3. Uh, and then he says uh, his return will be a time of hope fulfilled. Peter talks about the fruitless way of life also in chapter 1 verse 18. And he gives them advice to stop past pagan lifestyle. When you read the book of Peter, you begin to understand where God is calling you and where God is calling you to step away and how to live with God. We're going to continue in our second segment as we look at uh, an overview of the book of, uh, of uh, Peter and then we're going to look at uh, so many other incredible things in the book of, uh, in, in the book of uh, First Peter. God bless you. Thank you for joining. I just pray the blessing of God upon you today and may this word strengthen you and empower you. God bless you and join us again on Kingdom Insight. Shalom. Thank you for watching Kingdom Insight. Dr. Kazumba Charles has written some powerful and insightful books that will help you discover treasures and truth of God's word and also give you a deeper understanding of the unchanging character of God. For a love gift of $20, our office will send you one of the following books written by Dr. Kazumba Charles. The Parables of the Kingdom, Revisiting the Foundations, The Weapon of Forgiveness, or Discovering the Power of God in You. Please go to www.kazumbacharles.org to give your love gift. Your love gift will enable Dr. Kazumba Charles to continue to preach the good news of the kingdom. Thank you for your generosity.